Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the... <laughs> Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel. It, dude, we were so close. We were so close to having just a normal what? fucking intro. And you, <laughs> yeah, but who wants that? You get so giddy. I love it so much. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. I am Joel. And I'm Steve. Maybe my giddiness is an indication that I should get a life. No, <laughs> this is life. It doesn't. We're making a thing. This We're is making great. a thing. We're creating art that matters. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is the art of the conversation. This and is art. Boy, boy, oh, boy, do it's we. It's not have, your turn yet, Eric. We have we have somebody that I, I have loved uh, to. Uh, that I believe has one of the best gift of gabs um, I've ever, I've ever met and really <laughs> loves to spin a yarn and, uh, and uh, is loves to wrap it out, but we'll, we'll get to him in a second. Cause he is like, he's like, he's like a, you know, like a bull rider in the pin right now. I know he's ready yeah, yeah, to yeah. unleash it. At the bit. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, find us on Instagram at trying to be better podcast, email, email the ship. Like- ttbbpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, we actually did get emails. Oh, nice. Yeah, we did. Uh, and I feel kind of dumb because I had changed the password on the Gmail account, and then oh, I no. forgot to update it on my phone, so I wasn't seeing that there were emails. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Uh, Eduardo says, uh, Merry Christmas, and he Merry Christmas. and happy two years. That's nice. Thanks, Eduardo. Uh, and uh <laughs> past guest jack van cleef says uh congratulations on two years of talking about stuff and letting other people listen there is no i in podcast <laughs> thanks jack wow and, my mom uh, reached out and, too. Uh, yeah your mom did and she says we need to order um more mugs and that uh, we always need to uh, keep in mind where our beaks are so yeah, that's a throwback to our first season be where you want a goddamn is. mug be- yeah, we need to get hey, more mugs. Now look here. We'll see how this goes, and then you can yeah, start making demands. You haven't earned a mug yet, Eric. <laughs> uh, Beautiful. I'm already yeah. pissed off because Joel's over there vaping. I'm, I'm fucking going to reach across the Zoom world and choke <laughs> him out. sold me out to all of our listeners. Yeah. Oh, Oh. yeah. Yeah. No, I, oh, that, I'm not, that's not lost on me, dude. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Joel with his pants around his ankles now. Now hold on, that's a that's for the Patreon account. That's yeah, that's, that's for, for the there's a paywall for the for my OnlyFans. <laughs> right, exactly. Figuratively speaking, of uh-huh. course. Okay, so uh wink wink. Today today's guest is our friend uh Eric Delaney. I've known Eric for a couple decades. Mm-hmm. And uh I will say that uh and well we work together playing the rock and roll, so that's a thing that we've been doing for a little while mm. now. Um is it work? Sure. Well, it's a thing that we do. We work on a project. Certainly um, can be. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, the most fun part of rock and roll is playing it. That's another podcast. Um, most fun part of rock and roll is performing it for a live audience. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, Eric falls into a category that, of people that I refer to as ninth lifers. <laughs> <laughs> which is that he's oh, had shit. eight of them already and has packed nah. a, lot of, a lot of living into him 
And uh, what I will say is that um, <laughs> I was thinking this morning, like, how do I describe Eric? And most of the people that listen to this probably already know you. But for those that don't, uh, when I met Eric 20 years ago, the thing that I think sticks in my mind and the, the most succinct way I can describe it is that your impulses kind of ruled your existence. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know. Absolutely. And, yeah. And uh, over the last, you know, last couple of decades, you have, um, I don't know, you're just a guy that I respect a lot. You know, you've obviously put a lot, a lot living into your life and uh, are probably really fucking lucky to not be in jail or in a box. And yeah. uh, you're um, many like, near ma- death stories. You're, you're making the most of that, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's pretty awesome. You are, as we say, packing what you can into the stream of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I really um, dig uh, you and what you've got going on. And so it's a real treat to have you uh, on the TTBB uh podcasting platform or the ttb <laughs> empire the empire there you go. welcome to the fold that's right uh, so well finally i've arrived yeah that's you've right. arrived See, baby. finally it's all led up to this man <laughs> we're sorry right exactly <laughs> so eric <laughs> <when> I- <laughs> he's laughing like a super villain i love oh, i love it <laughs> right eric so this is how i laugh we ca- fuck off we <laughs> <laughs> we kind of uh, we kind of let you in on the on kind of the format here, but w- what is your origin story? Speaking of supervillains, what is right. uh, where? Um, what are your what are your? As Steve says, what are your, your bona, fides? bona fides? Where are you from? What do you? Sure. What's so, your origin? I, I, well, I grew up here in Lincoln, um, and then, but I was born in Denver and uh, lived in San Francisco for a couple of years. And what I would think of as the mo- my most formative years, which was um, twenty twenty one and 22 mm-hmm. years old um so but I, I i um was adopted at birth and did not have a normal um nebraska upbringing my mother was uh born and raised in oslo norway my father was a cold war spy and he met my mother in norway when he was stationed on an air base that had a border with russia and northernmost uh, uh norway and, and for the first, she was like part of a secretarial pool that came up from Oslo and went there. She was really bright. She had a future as a doctor, all this. And part of this secretarial pool that went to the air base and he was a spy. And so he, for the first, I think, six months that they knew each other, um, she didn't know that he was a member of the military. Oh, wow. And this is, it's so goofy because like the, he was a Pepsi Cola salesman, quote unquote, you know, air quotes, right? And that's the red, white, and blue colors. And so you can imagine who the Coca-Cola salesmen were with the red and white colors, you know. So uh, this is something that we've laughed about because over the years he uh, fought in World War II, was killing people with his hands. And um, we'll talk about generational trauma maybe at some point. But as it as a as an 18, 19, 20, for six years, he was in the in the South Pacific infantry fighting the Japanese from island to island. Right. Um, and digging them out after the war was over. So imagine being. 19 um on a a south pacific island you spent the last three years learning and how to kill people in the jungle and now you have to go on to booby trapped islands and dig out the japanese that didn't know the war was over so after six years of that he came back to the states and couldn't make it in the real world and went back in the military and and went to the air force and joined the again air quotes the weather service um And so I I couldn't get him to talk about it 
at all ever, you know, because that's the way those people were, you know, that yeah. was so deeply traumatized that they couldn't. And then also, well, it's, a, it's a, you know, state secret, you know, and I'm like, yeah. dad, there's a freedom of information act. You know, that shit was like 50 years ago. You've expired. It's okay. You know, yeah. I could, he always, he was like Kilgore trout um, <laughs> from, from, uh, you know, the Vonnegut novels, right. Yeah, he yeah. wrote all these really shitty science fiction books right that i have still cuz he died in 2016 but um but i could never get him to write the real stories that were yeah. fucking incredible mm -hmm. from his life I, I even tried like he just wouldn't <clears throat> do it because state secret and it was bad and i'm a bad man and all this right but i I, mean, I, lo I love the real world real world i mean cuz i love vonnegut and i that kilgore trout reference really hits for me because he's living in this surreal world where he has to do these heinous things at such a young age but the escape into the fantastical is the only mm -hmm. thing he'll really write down and record yep. you know but the love story this is my last great pitch to him was the love story between him and my mother right yeah like that couched in this the cold war and all the spy stuff and all this shit you know in norway or whatever right what an incredible story maybe it's a story that i need to write i don't know but mm -hmm. i could never get him to you know and I did some interviews with him and stuff. And he used to, he used to, and I'll end with this um, because there's a little more, but he, he, the way that he started talking to me about this is that, you know, as a teenager, I would come home on a 15 years old on Saturday night and I was supposed to be home at midnight. And, and I went out at seven with my buddies and dropped a bunch of acid and drank a bunch of beer and got stoned as fuck and probably had sex with three different women. And I'd come home and I'd be one 30 and I'm late. I'd come in the door and I'm just out of my mind, you know, and I'd come in and rawr, I'd plop down in the living room chair, you know, and, and he'd be sitting there dozed off and watching some fucking John Wayne movie or something. And he'd doze off and he'd wake up and he'd go, I remember one time in Saudi Arabia and we had to take this dead body across the border from Saudi Arabia to Morocco. And so what I had to do was, is put it on the table and chop it into two inch strips and snake it into the hole of a tire of our Jeep. And we wrapped it all up into the tire and then we rolled it across, the, you know, and it would be, I was covered in blood and we were going through the checkpoint and I didn't know how to, you know, and so then I had to kill that guy. And then, you know, I mean, and, and, and then he would just go back to sleep and wow. I'd be sitting there. It's like the picture. It's like the emoji with the mind blown, you know? Yeah. Because I'm tripping. Right. I'm I was going to say, you mind. are not in a you know state to hear this no. story. And, um, and I believe that that traumatized me in a way over a period of time because that became a habit for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there was maybe 10 or 12 occasions like that. And I'm not trying to elicit, you know, uh, any kind of sympathy or whatever. I'm just saying that 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 played a role in because of the lsd and because of the adhd mind and the executive function all that stuff that the way that i harmed myself with psychedelics right um that that played a role in it not yeah. the role it's not the thing but it's a thing yeah anyway wow. so so but i actually went to calvary my mother my mom was a and again i was adopted at birth so they weren't anything like me um but and I was sort of like a replacement for they had a child that died who's a couple blocks away from where I'm looking at Waiuka Cemetery right now through my window. And he's over there and, and her and him are over there, too, in an unmarked grave um, in the military section because I haven't been able to get my shit together enough. Again, ADHD. So 
put a marker on there. It's one of the things I, you know, in my bucket list has, you mm. know, put a grave marker on my mother and father's grave, you know, mm. but anyways, so uh, that's kind of shameful, but anyways, um, so, but I went to Calvary Lutheran grade school, Lincoln Lutheran junior high, and that was a very fishbowl, you know, very conservative. Um, and I, and I did not fit at all in any way. And when, then there was corporal punishment. I mean, there was a time when, I had a, a algebra teacher that was six six, John Raber, and I hope he's out there somewhere because I get to call him John because I could buy him a drink. That was the thing he used to always say, you know, if you can call me John when you can buy me a drink in the bar, I'll well, fuck you, John. So, um, but he grabbed me one time by the head after I made some kind of impulsive wisecrack comment about his wife in class, <laughs> oh boy. class clown. Nice. Everybody mm-hmm. laughed. And he grabbed me by the head, pulled me out of the room and threw me into a brick wall. So I turned around and swung on him wild. Right. And he just put his hand on my head like Shaq <laughs> might do to Steve. You know what I mean? Right. And I was just swinging wild. Right. And then I got what was the actual punishment that they doled out was is they had these maple yardsticks. Right. And you mm. grab your ankles mm. and bam, 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 bam. That was a thing. And it was a rite of passage for us in our, in my class that if you had to like smile and laugh and act like it didn't hurt and whatever. Anyway. So, so I rebelled against that shit as a teenager and um, you know, and eventually wound up in the hate Ashbury. You know, I was eating acid at 14. I mean, just I was hop, just like, a, it's and really for hop, two years, a yeah. From Lincoln I, I, Lutheran I, to the hate. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I, but that's really kind of how it went. But um, yeah. because I was going to take my show on the road and fuck all these people and all this stuff, and I was already a convicted felon. I was a convicted felon at seventeen. You know, I wrecked my life. Before. I had a spot in West Point waiting for me because of his service, right? And mm. I wrecked that before I even got that. You know, and I still believe that it was like an unconscious thing because by that time I was way into like the counterculture and the yippies. And I mean, I studied Timothy Leary and I studied Ken Kesey. I knew the East Coast, West Coast differences between the psychedelic stuff. I knew the political climate. I understood all this stuff because I found the place where I felt like I could fit. So I wasn't a jock, but I couldn't be a bookworm, but I was super smart and I just didn't fit anywhere. The girls really liked me, but that was about it, you know? And then when I found, uh, you know, the 60s and drugs and the counterculture, it was on. And like a good person with ADHD, I went down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Right. So what year, what, 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 what year are we talking when you get to San Francisco? 87. Okay. So in the dark, the Grateful Dead album in the dark (laughs) um, had been released recently. And I, and I would, I'd been a deadhead before that, you know, so like, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I got out there and I could see the, in the darkies flood in, you know, and, and they're leaving trash everywhere and they, but they're great because they buy acid for $3 a hit, you know, and like, you know, they were like little consumers that were coming in and sort of very American style, ugly American deadheads maybe or something like they were young and all they knew was like you know from the album in the dark and touch a gray you know and all that and it was really cool and that was a good thing don't get me wrong it was a great album all that stuff i love the music i still do but um but it was the beginning of a big sea change in what the grateful dead culture was to what it is now right mm-hmm. now it's consumerism you know mm-hmm. So full stop, full stop from Eric. Yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of thought maybe that you would get, be a good place get, to drop uh, the mic. 
we don't need to go completely, but you get, I mean, there are people that would say that that happened in 1971. Sure. Absolutely. Of course, you know? because I've never met a more prickly, irritating, um, holier than thou group of people than deep deadheads. Yeah, we're like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I saw Jerry play at least 50 times. I don't even fucking know how many times I saw him play in San Francisco with the Stone on Broadway and blah, blah, blah. I see, see, go Eric's, on and on. Uh, you know Eric's, what I'm saying? Eric's deader than thou. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? And, that, and you know, but yet there's a guy that could be like, "Oh yeah, well, I fucking grew up on Hate Street in 1970, and I fucking remember Jerry Garcia living down the street from me, and I used to sell him acid, and we used to drink at the bar." Bah, bah, bah. You know, there's no end to it. It's like that in it's, everything, all parts it, of our culture. Well, yeah, it's, it's like uh, that with. It, well, it's always I've never, somebody. I've never that, met a Husker football fan like that. I've never met a Christian like that. You've never met a. Yeah, fuck the both of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. Yeah. I, it is. I see it in I say it in Bo- Buddhist circles too. There's there's this oh, uh, yeah. hubris because you're close to something holy. You feel yeah, like yeah. you need to own the holiness rather than experience the whole the 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 uh, spirituality of it. You want to claim the you want to claim ownership over the story somehow. I mean, it's it's your cl- you're close like, you're close like to God. People people sober twenty years in AA that that's all they've got going for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just feel like in Western society on the whole, we're taught this uh, one-upsmanship that the only way we can achieve validation is by stepping on the heads of our fellows because we're better there and we know is. more. And, you know, right? It's like, yeah. you know, and the only way that I can be okay with me is if I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just did my best George Carlin impersonation. For yeah, that. that was pretty that was really good, good, actually. That was great, yeah. Better than you. I just got into a. I just got into a classic, like, like 2011 uh, Facebook argument last night at like 1:30 in the morning about. Oh, I gave that shit up years ago. Fuck. You know that. what I mean? It's like, yeah, but I, I, I realize I'm, I'm like, I woke up from falling asleep on the couch just mindlessly scrolling my Facebook, and I saw some random tangential person from my life lobbing some catholic expertise mm-hmm. in my thread oh. about a meme i shared and i was like i'll take that bait and i'm like i feel you the same fucking thing they're doing yeah yeah exact oh. same thing yeah so anyways i did all that shit but that's like that only i mean i lived off the grid out there for three years or no two years San Francisco and the Haight Ashbury. I lived up in Marin <laughs> County for a while. Bob, Bob Weir lived up the hill for me. I used to see him walking down the street. I mean, I worked in a 7 Eleven. I used to sell him cookies, milk, and shit late at night because 7 Eleven was the only thing open in Mill Valley, you know, so mm-hmm. which was all cool. And again, with the look at me, I'm a big, bigger, better deadhead. But, um, but uh, more importantly, I was a way deep criminal. Like I lived off the grid. Like I mm. got three different sets of food stamps and three different names with three different social security numbers. And that's how I, you know, supported myself while I lived there. I had a credit card fraud scheme going with this lawyer that was he ever a lawyer? I don't know what he was, who he was. I just never still don't know. I mean, crazy shit that was connected to the mafia. And I had no idea what I was in the middle of. Mm-hmm. And so definitely could have done like a bunch of time behind this stuff. But, but, you know, I got so strung out on cocaine and so sick that, you know, I went, came back for Christmas one year and I'm new. I looked in the mirror and I'm like, 
you know, I must have weighed about 115 pounds, and I was just like, God, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stay here. I can't go back. This is, is I'm gonna is die. That what, that's what kept you. That's what brought you back to the Midwest. Was this sort yeah. of mm-hmm. like moment of clarity? I was living really, in a garage uh, two blocks from a fucking project on Hate Street. It was the Hate Street project. I was living in a garage eating peanut butter with this uh, chick from the deep south that was 20 years older than me. We had this little sort of crack cocaine little sort of life going together. It was crazy. Mm. I was so sick. Oh, God. Mm. So. so anyway, so. You, so yeah, you come back, back to Lincoln? Yeah. Yeah. So in the interim, I came back to Lincoln and, and I, you know, c- continued to live the lifestyle, committing crimes and, you know, making children and just s- tried to get sober in and out of treatment. I mean, it's just, oh, God, I've been in and out of treatment for eight times, you know, spread that out across, you know, 20 years. And then, you know, the reality is, is that I was living an ADHD lifestyle. It was like you said, the impulsivity. Right. It was the. um it was the interrupting. It was all the things uh, that you do when you have ADHD that and, prevent and and are a drug addict. Or, right, well, yeah, that was a piece of it, right? Yeah. I mean, there was some. We were talking about this the other night. It was a little bit of finding relief. It was a little bit about self medication, and all of it was unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like I knew that I had these symptoms of a mental health condition and I needed to somehow, you know, fix that or whatever. It was. I was talking to a guy last night super late 1 a.m i hop whatever after one of the secret meetings and uh we were talking about this bit of maladaptation Mm. right which i think is what a lot of people if not all people that have adhd that don't know it and aren't treated do there was no discussion of mental health in my family Mm. you were crazy or you were normal that's it you you didn't go to get treatment for mental health issues until right. I started committing crimes and finally got. I mean, my dad was a prison guard. His mm. worst fear was that I would go to the place that he worked. Mm-hmm. You know, but but you didn't. It's like I. So anyway, so I went to treatment when I was seventeen or whatever, and I got all these felony, you know, stuff happening, and you know, whole criminal uh charges and whatever and and part of that was you know i told the judge you know well i'm a drug addict that's the problem Mm. if i could just go to i i drank all this beer and i smoked all this weed and spun this yarn like you said joel and you know and so they sent me to treatment and that was to be the beginning of my career of uh tricking the world into believing that I wasn't as bad as I was so I could continue doing the bullshit that I was doing. Mm. But actually what I was doing in many ways was treating my ADHD, you know, maladapting, right? I found an identity where I felt like I was validated. I had a system of uh, chemical treatment for the imbalance in my brain because what's really going on with ADHD is, is this is a dopamine regulatory issue, in your brain mm-hmm. right there's there's systems that function in your mind mostly two systems one of them is uh i kind of can't think of it now on top of my head but there are these two systems task oriented and um default system and they have to work counter to each other so like one's going the other one way and the other's going the other way 
They don't work together. They work opposite. And so when someone has ADHD, that dopamine uh, chemical is dysregulated. And so it causes them to work together. And so you, you have this constant effect happening where you're pulled away. You know, I don't know how to explain it very well. well but, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I, and <clears throat> what I think is of course it, you what, do. <laughs> one thing I'm, I'm interested in is, you know, you're talking about, because I think Steve and I, and we all three of us have talked openly in public and in private about our recovery journeys. One thing that I think that you're shedding some light on for me that is interesting, Eric, is this idea of <clears throat> having what I come to know as a uh, dual diagnosis, right? So there's the alcoholism, drug addiction, and there's also mental health journey and that you found. Uh, so how, how, how long into your recovery journey trying to get clean and sober did this present so the ADHD that you've talked about present so heavily where you realize I can't mask that anymore. Um, I need to address them both. Like mm -hmm. I find that, like, I think you said before we started recording the intersection of that mm -hmm. is really interesting to me. Cause I, mm -hmm. I've had a, I've had a long journey with anxiety and depression and I'm, and discovering that well into recovery. It's like, Oh, I need more tools. I need more help. Well, and recovery allowed for that. <coughs> well, the effects of the ADHD as it played out in my life, um, with kids from different mothers and careers that started and fizzled out and educational processes that started and fizzled out and, you know, just endless list of those kind of things, right. Created sort of what I like to think of as a wasteland, right? Like I think of my life. Um, I took, I wrote this note down. Yeah. So it's like, Oh God, where the fuck? Oh yeah. My life. Here's what I wrote. My life is a wasteland littered with four decades of consequences from untreated ADHD. So what I'm trying to say is that before I could even address mental health issues on a real intelligent and effective level, I had to work through the, my life. So like, um, for example, in, 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 uh, 2011, 2008. Yeah. So my youngest son, Max, was born in November of 2008. And on December 30th of 2008, I got a call from the neighbor of the grandma, maternal grandmother of three of my kids, the Delaney kids, I'll call them because they have my last name. I have six kids. And the other three don't. It's not an important thing, but it's just how I, because I have a six kids and seven grandkids and I have to figure out a way to remember them all mm -hmm. kind of, it's not that bad, but anyway, so, but the Delaney kids, so three of them, um, and you know, like Claire, the oldest of the three found their grandmother in her chair in the morning, looking kind of blue. And she grabbed her wrist to check her pulse and felt it stop. Mm. That woman had been abusing those kids for years. Mm -hmm. um, she had my son in chemical handcuffs because he reminded her of me. Mm. She taught them that I, you know, told the police and the government and the criminal system uh, that their mother did all these crimes so that I could get off the hook and not go to prison, which I went to prison. But but I'm saying that's the kind of way. So she taught them that I told on their mother so that I that's how bad of a guy your dad is. And then. And then the youngest one, she overindulged, right? So she, like, the youngest one, who was born in prison, by the way, 
Hmm. Um, she overindulged her, like she showered her with excessive. So the one was he was beaten and abused, and the other one was showered and, and abused this other way. And the oldest one was left to kind of protect the other two and and try to make a life for herself in this shitty little town mm. in south mid-south uh nebraska right mm. mm-hmm. so anyways they and i'm not talking about the stuff i want to talk about um, say, we, but <laughs> god damn it you're doing great. so hard because there's so much there, yeah, the, i know the, there is such a rich um you know, field of information. But anyway, so, so I got these kids and the point is, is that now I literally, I got three kids overnight and I'm like five years sober and I am not prepared. I'm like a college student and I work some part-time jobs trying to become a substance abuse counselor. I remember that time period. I played, Mm -hmm. yeah, we used to go to the one secret meeting together Mm -hmm. across the parking lot from the apartment I was living, living in Mm -hmm. when I got those kids. But anyway, so uh, but I was doing all these things like I it start helped to founded local nonprofit, which became this great big thing with slam poetry and the community and stuff. And 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 I was working these part time jobs in the substance abuse field and I was going to college full time and I sang in a working rock and roll band that played a lot more than what we do, Steve. So right. just to, for reference. Um anyway, so and then and, and then the next day I have three kids. Hmm. 13, nine and five. And so the point I'm trying to make is that my life uh, was filled with all this stuff that I had to work with and do that. I really couldn't, at least as far as I could see, as far as I could tell, it's probably not quite true, but I, I felt like I couldn't work on me. I had to take care of them. Yeah. And I just had to stop what I was doing for myself and do everything I could do to make some kind of life for these kids whose lives I created and had really wrecked. Mm. Right. And so well, the first like thing to, I had to I do was like learn to, how to not overcompensate. <laughs> well, but the, that's the thing that I've always respected about you is that despite everything, like you showed up. Yeah. Like in Thank a you. way that I, I know was not um, was high praise. Well, I mean, you did, though, like you, 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 you saddled up and you showed up and you did the best you could with what you had. And really, what else is there? You know, well, I learned something in San Francisco from that weird ass lawyer that I was telling you about. It was a philosophy that I've carried with me and it's called MUR. Maximum utilization of all available resources. It is the single mom's touchstone right. it's the philosopher's stone for the single mom which is what i called myself for 13 years because when i got them whatever 15 years ago and i would say i'm a single dad people would look at me like what the fuck is that hmm. but mm-hmm. if i said single mom they wouldn't even fuck with the gender thing they would just go oh yeah okay yeah they understand so they understand what, the circumstances that that title puts on someone you know that's it doesn't mean that i'm gender pod- yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. You know, uh, by uh, what's the word I'm looking for here with gender? No, non-binary. Yeah, it's a little joke there. It's a little old guy joke. We'll allow it. I identify well, as a single mom. I don't even know what just happened there, but I would say that uh, that's like a whole other podcast, though. Yeah, it is. 
getting into the the gender dynamics of single parenthood. One of my daughters, you know, one of my daughters, I mean, she identifies as they, them. I had to learn about all this stuff in my Mm -hmm. living room every fucking day, all day long. Good for you. And and that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I I was a safe place. I was the cool dad. I was a safe place. She would bring all her friends over and they could all come hang out and be Mm. who they are. Yeah. Safely. That's good. And that's the reputation I have amongst you know, all my kids' friends that way. What? So what was the turning point? So I... I, I Back I'm to the fo- original. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm following this thread, though, because y- what you had to do was survive to get sober. And then the universe said, all right, he's sober enough to deal with all this. So we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then it, then it became this life of intense service and sacrifice, which I recall watching from the sidelines, too, with awe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I think you're really... I mean... well. You're really kind of embracing, and maybe as your kids get older, you have some space to kind of yeah, address. I'm an empty nester. Yeah, the the, the ADHD I live, that's still there. Saying, Look at a, me. <laughs> yeah, it's a four bedroom house. I live here with my cat. You know, it's it's filled with the ghosts of the life that I've had with my kids mm. um, and other people. Like I Brady bunched with this gal that I knew from when I was younger, um, from high school, and she brought. Her and I rented this house together and she brought a couple of her kids. I mean, I'm, I shit you not. We have one bathroom and there was five teenagers living here. Woof. With me and her. Wowzers. <laughs> I got some motherfucking cred with this shit. <laughs> but I will say this. We've talked about how great I am because I did these things. I, I absolutely <laughs> do not feel that way. <laughs> you know, like all along the way, I was doing whatever I could to make myself okay to get to the next day because I had to rob Peter to pay Paul this way and that way. It was forever the the Rubik's cube. You know, I have zero, I have no pot to piss in. I have no retirement. I don't have any fucking thing. And that's not because I was a martyr for my children. It's because I have adult ADHD and I had three children to raise and uh, I'm an alcoholic and, and I've had, developmental trauma as an ADHD child that I didn't even know what the fuck that was until a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago. I think think this would be a good point to stop and say your, the ADHD thing thing is a fairly recent discovery and it's hot on the brain. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and to go back to Joel's um, question. So, so um, that mess of life was occurring the one I just described with the kids in the house and all that crazy, whatever. And I, and I continued to like work three part-time jobs and, you know, and go to college full time and the band and all that, you know, and then kind of, there was the next phase where we did this Brady bunch thing. And so now I'm having jobs and still trying to, you know, make my own life. I want to go to grad school. I want to do these things, whatever, but it became very, very clear at a certain point that I'd gone as far as I could go mm-hmm. uh, mentally and the systems began to break down, right? Like I began to not be able to do the stuff that I needed to do for me, for my children. Our relationships started to how, frazzle around the edges. Yeah, how did that manifest? Um, it, it all sorts of different ways. I mean, you know, financially, I began to not be able to get my bills paid. Um. In relationships, I began to not send any, but I haven't sent any Christmas cards this year. Mm. And I'm not gonna. Mm. I'm not gonna be able to, you know? And I'm not, that's not, I don't say that to elicit sympathy again. 
It's because this is the way my life has gone. It's like, that's how it manifests. I, I, it manifests because I, I can feel it emotionally. It's an emptiness, you know, that's occurring because of the um, sort of, again, the sort of detritus of untreated ADHD, right? Mm. The bits and pieces are coalescing into a new lifestyle that is dominated by the results of untreated ADHD, right? And mm. so, so really, I guess maybe what it boils down to is, is that the, the, the house of cards started to fall in on itself. I was able to do all this shit for so long. And I mean, then finally, it just started to fucking crumble. Mm. You know, um, it began with the relationship with the gal that I had, you know, that we were living together, you know, because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't really want to be with her from the beginning, but I, it was a transactional thing for me in my mind. It was like, okay, I'm going to make a little happy home for my kids and all this stuff. And, you know, and then, you know, so now I'm wandering off with, other women and whatever, you know, and so I, in every arena of life, I started to become the bad guy. Hmm. Mm. So, so how and do that's you not because I'm the bad guy, right? It's because I could no longer manage my life. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. No. <laughs> Steve, I love, I love it wasn't because I was drinking. And yeah, it right. was, I mean, you could talk about, you know, the dry drunk thing or whatever a little bit, but that didn't feed it because, because as I was going to the secret meetings, which I was able to start to do a little bit more of them, put the house together because I was down to one meeting a week for uh, several years when I got the kids and stuff. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't no, I get that. You know, the, yeah. Fucking a man, you know, club volleyball on Sundays at 7.00 AM in Omaha with three kids. You're in one gym for nine hours. And you've got, not just being there with no bleachers, but being there with no bleachers and a five-year-old and a nine-year-old to entertain all day with no money and you can't leave. That sounds like, that sounds like torture every weekend. Joel's Joel's really sad about the whole, no but the rest thing of right the week was oh, man, I really selling cars for 50 hours and dealing with all sorts of crazy shit in a toxic environment where, they would say to you, and this is really where I started to get the first inklings of I got something wrong here and it's actually a thing. How come you can't focus on your sales, Eric? Oh. So that, you can't stay focused. What can we do to help you? Shut the fuck up and let me get some help. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's what I want to know, because the, 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 the title of this podcast is trying to be better, right? So I think that this yeah. is a really beautiful time to kind of invoke that title, which is what I hear is this progress of like, okay, somebody who is had, like you said, generational trauma, you've had um, alcoholism and drug addiction, you've had mental health journey, and, and you're at every step of the way leaning towards solutions, but in a way that maybe people around you didn't really see yet. What, what do you do? No, no, do I you... didn't want anyone to see any of it, but go ahead. Uh, Sorry. That's I did something that people with ADHD do, which is interrupt. But what were you going to ask the question? Well, was I was going to say, what? like, what do you do? How, how has accepting, embracing, naming, um, taking action towards your overall mental health or at least being able to? Because when I started naming my anxiety and panic attacks. Wildly painful. Yeah. Okay. There we go. 
I mean, what has that been like? Because now I can look at my life through the filter of understanding of ADHD and what it means and what those things are and what that caused and what it meant in my life and the actions that I took based upon that, you know, mental health condition. Right. Yeah. And, And so so the stuff across my life that was just shitty now, actually, I understand what it is. And so it's like, gosh, if I could have been somehow dialed into this stuff. 20 years ago, what would life be like? Shoot. If I was dialed into this stuff 40 years ago, what would life be like? I mean, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. But it's like this painful regret looking I, back across the decades, not two years, not yeah, 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 40 no, years, yeah. right? And going, fuck, mm-hmm. right? Boy, did well, I screw it, the pooch on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's something that I think. I, I will go ahead and allow that you have a lot of that, right? And I mean that <laughs> with not in a sympathetic sure. way, but like an empathetic yes, way. Yes. Like, yes, like yes, I understand yes. what you're saying, and I can relate to that a lot. Um, the the thing of like that's where, like coming back to living in today is so important. You know? Yes. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. because because the whole like yeah that sucks. Like, and yeah. I feel your, like, I feel your pain. I have felt your pain. Maybe not quite <coughs> as extreme as yours, but I understand that looking back and going, I wish I could get a redo on that. You know? Right. Well, fortunately, <laughs> that, that's not the only thing that, I think about. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and I know that that's, um, I know that that's you true, know. but I also understand that, like, when you get presented with this information, it's like, oh, it would have been nice to know that when I was eight. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a, it's a bitter, painful thing but but it's necessary right so i have to be able to you know it's tip it's 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 problem solving 101 you have to understand the problem to be able to solve it so you have to be able to look at it realistically and understand what it is and that's so i was diagnosed maybe maybe five years ago and i was seeing a therapist because i was a substance abuse counselor i believed that you had to have a therapist and i'd never been in real therapy before in my fucking life Mm. right and I'm yeah. working with someone that actually works with teens and stuff. I came to it sideways like everything else in my fucking life, you know. And so, like, I'm not t- working with someone who specializes in ADHD. I'm working with someone who specializes with, you know, adolescents and whatever. So she did the best that she could. But I was with her for, I don't know, six, seven years or whatever. And she's the one that diagnosed me, right? But she couldn't really do a lot for me. Mm. And then my life kind of unraveled. It started a little business and. And that fell apart. And so financially, things went kind of off the rails. And so I was not able to see her anymore. And so, but anyways, then the kids moved out. And so that's really where things sort of start to change, right? So now I've got this great big empty space. And I went through a period of grief with with their leaving, right? And and then I started to take a look at my life. And it was an absolute shit show. You know, I want to I want to um, just really quick address something that you said kind of in passing, which is to stick a pin in the idea that your financial situation got bad enough to the point that you couldn't get the help you needed anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Decidedly. order to get that, that's even a, even with, that's a societal problem. Even yeah. with sorry, a, sorry, and absolutely it is just to highlight agree with that. you more. Yes, yes, like yes. People that, agree with that you more. very, very badly need help with mental health can't get it because they don't have insurance of course yeah sucks. that sucks ass yeah it sucks ass that anyway, sucks yeah, ass. Sorry. it just it does ass. i mean it, but i mean I, you know and i kind of go by that because I, it's just something that sort of adds to the equation i guess yeah. in sure. that way and 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 
and really is more like as this river of life that is my life rolls along it's just a rock out there in the stream that kind mm. of oh right around that now you know yeah kind of thing right i mean it's that whole robbing peter to pay paul you just have to it's like suicide's not an option although i think about it every day suicide's not an option because i would never do that to my children i would never ever leave them with the rest of their lives going what isn't the that fuck a, isn't that a fun thing yeah to, to right. get to but, wrestle with i it's it, i mean not to be lighthearted, but i love the quote from the movie oceans 11 where matt damon asks brad pitt are you suicidal and he says only in the morning <laughs> right smile. well it's like that so so i have i have had to um you know at first when it started to present like back to again what joel was asking about you know and i was starting to recognize oh that thing from when i was a kid and they told me there's something wrong with you. You're too much. You have to be so dramatic. Mm. Can you settle down, Eric? You're too much. It's <laughs> like we were talking about the other night, Steve. What I was hearing eventually that coalesced into what we call developmental trauma. And 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 it was this message that I heard every day, all day. Uh, stop being who you are. Mm. Mm. That's not what we want here. Mm. And so this is, I, this is not what we ordered. Mm. And right. And as a child, I developed a protection mechanism that we call people pleasing, but it's a protection mechanism where, okay, so what I got to do is make you feel okay about being you by what I do when I'm interacting with you. And just, add, and that's just interesting, Eric, because you have to add that to the pile of survival tools that you have to put in your, your tool belt, right? It's like, absolutely. So you have all this other stuff and you see the world in this in these ways. Maladaptation. Correct. And then you, you, so you realize, oh, and, and, and it's almost like a, it's almost like, I mean, I called you a super villain at the beginning, but it's almost, it's yeah. a superpower to be yeah. able to kind of be able to work in that way. I mean, but just see, how from, you, from this perspective, it's very painful. Yes, of course. because I understand what it is now. I'm not saying it's painful. And, oh, I just want to go. It's like I have to see it for what it is. I mm. have to be honest with my emotions, right? And mm. I have to take care of myself, right? Mm. I have to take care of myself. So, so I started doing yoga probably seven mm. years ago, and I and I spent I shopped. Right. So like I went to the yoga that I could go to at the Y and I went to this yoga studio and I went to that yoga studio. And I, a lot of what I saw was what I like to think of as sport yoga, where it's like this yeah. Americanized, okay, people, we're going to do the downward dog now, you know? And I'm like, um. yeah. and, but I could see the benefits. Like even in that, like the breathing and stuff immediately, I was like, Oh shit, this is like a meditative practice kind of, wrapped up into a physical thing and it's right. Yep. But, but I found someone who practices what's called um, um, integral yoga, right? And integral yoga has bits of all the yoga stuff you can do, right? So yeah. like we start with breathing and then we do chanting and then we do eye exercises mm -hmm. and then we do a full suite of all the, you know, poses and inversions and all the stuff. And then we do, face exercises and we do the yoga nidra and we do yeah. chanting and breathing and so that was packed into an hour and a half that i could do on a weekly basis that gave me all that for my 
ADHD brain because I could never get like into a routine. I still struggle with that. But once a week I could do that. Right. Yeah. And so over the seven year stretch or whatever, I've been able to do a lot in that space in the context of giving myself tools like breathing. Yeah. It's, it's, and, it's, a, it's and a, controlling a, body, making your controlling your vagus nerve, you know, getting yourself to be okay physically by um, controlling mind, right? Uh, that is so, I mean, I can relate. Yeah, if, if I, I have found that very, the somatic experience of, <laughs> yes, of, somatic. of asana, asana practice and, and meditation and being in your body with your breath, it gives um, it gives a, a, an entirely different landscape with my relationship to panic and anxiety. So I, I could only assume that integrating it somatically and physically, you have a better, you can bear better witness to the ADHD point mm -hmm. of view. Is that is that mm -hmm. the integrating the, that? Does that kind of make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the absolutely. That, the thing that that's the thing that the way my Eric, you mentioned this the other night, uh, you're the extroverted variety and I'm the introverted variety. Right. So, and so my, 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 the thing inattentive the and hyperactive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the meditation has really helped. It does. It's just like saying that AA does what booze does for alcoholics, only a lot slower. Um, yeah. Meditation does for my ADHD the same thing stimulants did, only a lot slower. Um, yeah, it's interesting um, to note that the drugs that people have that have ADHD choose um, generally wind up being drugs that have a, an effect on dopamine in the brain. Yeah. Right. Um, and to a lesser or greater degree, depending on type of ADHD and that kind of thing. But, but, and that's where sort of that idea of medicating comes from and maladaptation comes from because I, you know, I really feel like I can mine information from my lived experience, you know, of that maladaptation and, you know, and so that that can help me be able to now project into the next, you know, whatever this, you know, third act or whatever is going to be in my life. Right. Because mm -hmm. there's stuff that I want to do. I'm not done here, yeah. you know? And so I'm trying to prepare myself to, like you said, Steve, that, what a great compliment, you know, you're packing stuff into the stream of life. And so I, I always say this when I'm in the secret meetings and they ask me to talk about, you know, great big story, tell us your story, whatever is that, you know, my life is rich and full. Mm. Oh my gosh. I mean, the kids and my grandkids and, you know, and so it, it makes the high wire act that's been my life in untreated ADHD worth it. Right. And, and I totally, and, and, and I mean that completely unequivocally, unequivocally, unequivocally unequivocally yeah we should sure. get our we should totally. get our uh hey sally will you look that up please sorry uh, yeah we are our, our research we, team is thank you thank you i mean i see her over there you know pounding away on the keyboard yeah she's right. booking um, the next guest right as we speak good job right. you see, can have some coffee when you're done so i i don't i can't remember where i was going with that sorry <laughs> it's okay it's okay i wanted to, um, I wanted to say just like when i first 
started trying to get my act together. Um, this is this is the fun part of being like in recovery and being an alcoholic and having, you know, another diagnosis is that like I was seeing a psychiatrist that prescribed me a practicing alcoholic Ritalin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Methylphenidate. So there's so, so like, there's like 96. It was, it was very well intentioned. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. But, but kind of missed the mark a little bit. Right. But because at the same like, time, it doesn't. And I mean, I tell you this because I, at that conference and, and the, some of the doctors and psychiatrists I've talked to just there have helped me to understand because I've been wholly against using medication for the treatment of ADHD. And I've done a lot of research into the different medications, right? So methylphenidate and methamphetamine are two drug two drugs that 96 different ADHD medications are derived from. It is almost the entirety of what is used to treat, but it's very effective for a large portion of people that have ADHD. I'm sure it it is. I I tried Adderall once, even though like I, my doctor suggested, let's try this, Eric. And because again, got diagnosed a few years ago, whatever, wanted to try some things. I absolutely hate the idea of taking medications. And I think part of that is because I was institutionalized to that when I was a child, right? Because if you take medications, you're crazy. Mm, right. And you need to go somewhere. This place. To special school. Yes. Right. And I don't believe that. I mean, I did work as a counselor, but, um, but it's in there somewhere in my child mind worldview that still is trying to protect me from whatever, you know? Hmm. So I, I, I want to read this for you because I just saw it. Um, good God. Uh, of these notes that I took. So I wrote the utter disgust and self-hatred that I've been feeling as I recognize the effects of untreated ADHD over my lifespan. I'm struggling to co-opt, modify, and utilize pre-diagnosis adaptations from the past as I bring a modern treatment program into focus for myself. Wow. At this age, it's a race against time and the suicide equation. I Wow. That's a powerful statement, Eric. I, I It reminds me, before I so rudely... Uh, <laughs> interrupted in a very what i what i might imagine could be very a struggle for somebody with adhd what i think you were saying earlier and i think that ties back into it that you know you said this third act of your life this like hero's journey almost of you Mm -hmm. integrating all of this stuff and Mm -hmm. like how does this third act uh you know uh blossom into um integrating all this shit and i think that you finding you know, a holistic yoga practice, not just the asana practice, but all the eight limbs mm-hmm. or whatever, and in a, and staying true to your uh, sobriety journey, but also owning this diagnosis as a as a pathway to freedom, is yes. is yeah. is exactly what you're saying. You're you're kind of this race against time because you accept that all of these factors uh, normally kill us. Nobody uh, kill right. people like us, and right. here yeah. you are. So- I'm gonna I'm gonna thrive anyway. Yeah, so I feel like in some ways, um, that's another note that I made that I'm actually trying to find because it's exactly what, Jesus, where is it though? I've got this, I've been taking these notes for like a week about 
what I want to talk about, you know, you're more prepared than we are, Eric. (laughs) So, but well, but no, so very much like an ADHD person, it's one, you know, it's on my iPhone here and it's one long scroll of just (laughs) shit that's been crammed in there. That's why I'm going, I don't know where the fuck. So here's what I said. It's it, 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 it to answer or address what you just said, Joel, it is as if I owe a debt to the world for putting up with me. Mm. Fighting through fighting through a cloud of endless gnats is what ADHD is like for me so now. It's like this cloud in this icy wasteland, right? It's like, but here's, again, I go ahead. Wait, you, you don't but, hold the God damn it, Eric. You don't, <laughs> that's, I want to just stop. You don't know the world shit. Hmm. Well, no, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? I think of it in the context of living amends. I understand that feeling and I understand the need to make living amends. But I also believe that once you have seen the elephant or whatever and Mm -hmm. kind of admitted, like the song says, you know, uh, I was thinking about Warfrat this morning to back mm-hmm. to the dead, but you know, yeah. Shout out uh, to Kelly who uh, pointed that out to me here the other the, day, but the, she that, like, sent me you, a thing about Warfrat. Once you have acknowledged that, life you're, once, once you've acknowledged that the life that you're living is no good on my feet, then someday, then, and you're and you're actually trying to live court in accordance with that then your sins are forgiven yeah hmm. and well, yeah well i don't i don't you know i don't think in life in the context of the christian well, but I'm paradigm sense, whatever like but you just I'm said just, like i'm I, just I, fucking like, with you steve you, i couldn't resist whatever but you but that you that like this thing of like oh, see I, how I, i'm I, deflecting I, you're I, trying I, to give me this really yes, beautiful am, thing steve, steve is being I'm vulnerable like, eric off, let it happen man. buddy now nah, fuck both right how often no. is he like that joel <laughs> i'm out i don't well, need I, you i want to say I don't I, need you and i don't need anybody see that's how he goes into that goes that's how he goes introverted what i think steve is saying what I, i'm not not to improve on it because it was beautiful what you said whatever that your your mere existence is valid and your story is important and you deserve mm. to take up space right yes I, thanks what sure. i see from the sidelines from all of you is this is a beautiful conversation just in and of itself because I think that we are absolutely seeing a paradigm shift in the depatriarchal ification of the stigma of of what it means to be um, depatriarchification. Yeah, that that we have to we have to that we as as. Uh, Owning our mental health journey as men in the United States in mm-hmm. 2022, absolutely, going to save a lot of grief and abuse. Absolutely, and, for a lot and of I mean, and, and I mean, and I was raised again. Remember who what my dad was. We didn't even right. talk about. It. I found my right. I found my biological family. That's a whole other fucking thing. Jesus Christ! But um, I might have bought a ticket or walked right by my biological mother going into a Grateful Dead concert when I lived out there. It's a whole another wow. story that's unreal. Wow, but not going there but that guy was the man's man i mean he was killing people with his hands in the jungle for america and he came back here and was a prison guard he was the executioner at the nebraska state penitentiary for 20 years because he had more experience killing people 
than anyone in the entire prison system. And they never killed anyone the whole time he was there. It was Starkweather right before he got there, and it was walking Willie Ote right after he left. Wow. Amazing. And, and so you were raised, I mean, and we were all raised in a certain level of lock it up, keep it secret. It, lock it up, keep it up in a wildly uh, traumatic way. Right. Like that's what I'm saying about the um, the developmental trauma. But more importantly, and, and coming back to the end, so like, but what I really believe in is, is this Muir. So like maximum utilization of all available resources, not yeah. all resources. It's not capitalism. We're not taking everything. It's maximum utilization of all available resources. And I've got a lot of lived experience and resources that I can use. So I want, you know, my goal is to become a special ed teacher and Mm. work with kids with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be lucky to have you. Yeah. Well, thanks. We'll see. (laughs) It's a good goal. But, but the point is, is that I have to do something with this, um, with this ADHD, because I've made a couple attempts at grad school in the past and it didn't go well because mm-hmm. untreated ADHD. So like, I got a big project. And I wait till the last fucking minute to do the big project. I shit you not. I had my TV hooked up to my computer in here. Right. And I had this project up on the 65 inch screen and all these windows open. And I was trying to put all this shit together at 4.30 and 5.30 and 6.30 and 7.30 in the morning before a nine o'clock deadline, you know, and it was this wildly crazy and painful experience that absolutely did not need to happen and only occurred because of ADHD. Mm. And I'm not having that. Yeah. I think and I can re- learn from that. You for know? sure. I think it's really beautiful too, that you can see you, like you said, uh, what you, what you may have learned to maladapt you have come to realize you can still adapt. Like you're accepting the truth mm-hmm. and the realization of what is for you and is not for you. And you're, you're instead of resisting the things that you want to make for you, you're accepting what is for you and it's working. And mm-hmm. I, and I, I think that's really beautiful and awesome. I also think that I wish we had a whole nother hour to talk about exile yeah, on O street. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. We can get a couple of minutes in there. Can't we? <laughs> for sure. For sure. What do you want to talk about? I don't, don't want to shift that hard, but I, ah, we I just could, think- I mean, I have ADHD, untreated ADHD and have for 40 years. I'm really accustomed to doing that. You're it's one of my superpowers. So yeah. we can go we, right to exile on O street. We've established start, the like, first time we- I ever sang in front of a live audience. I was five years old. I did it in Norwegian. What, wow. what, do, what are we, what are we doing to treat the ADHD? Is that, well, is there a plan for that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously I've spent some time with my doctor who goes to my church and she's a s- incredible woman. She's so cool. She here, she, she's one of those doctors that you're a participant in what's happening and you're not just someone that's being fed more medicine. That's huge. That's but anyway, so, so I've been working with her. Um, and then, and then that's why I went to this ADHD conference so that I could learn more. I want to know what cutting edge stuff is. I want to understand what we know in the mental health community about ADHD and about trauma and about emotional dysregulation and about social capital and ADHD and about, and about, and about so that I can learn more about the different treatment. There's a lot of coaching going on there. Accountability is a thing. That's a real thing. So I, I, you know, the, the short answer to your question, Steve, is that I haven't put it together yet and I never will. 
because mm-hmm. that's how that works. But right. what I want to do, I understand that, but what I, for myself, but what I do want to do is get as much information loaded into the thing as I can and then reach out. Because the thing that I haven't ever done is reach out. I did a really good job of developing a protective structure that I hide behind and you fucking do not know who I am, but you think you do mm. because I've got this whole other thing working out here that I've really fucking developed, right? So that you can feel like you know me. Hmm. It feels authentic. And in, to a certain degree, it is because it has to be because the, the best lie is the one that the liar believes in first. Hmm. Right. So, so I, I have to be able to drill through that and crack that fucker open. Think Pink Floyd, the wall, right? <laughs> oh, boy. tear down the wall. Right. Yeah. But no, that's, that's real, real. Mm-hmm. because there's a, a lot of good help out there. And I, and, and, and Eric, you really have amassed enough information. Now you can open that fucking closet up and you can come out and there's people out in the world that are going to accept you and it's okay. And I have to talk this way to the child inside, you know, because that inner voice will kill me. I think it's, it's, I think it's, it's a beautiful analogy. What you said earlier about you, um, you know, getting to this point of extreme. This is like a therapy session. Yeah. Love and service to your kids, right? Like the kids came into your life and you educate people instead. It's like, and you, and you (laughs) fed them and you clothed them and you gave them, you gave them safety and you gave them space. And then they moved on. And now you're stuck, like you said, with ghosts or, you know, you have an empty nest, but you're also like mm. the, the ADHD kid that's always been at your house is like, all yep. right, it's yep. time. For, it's <laughs> time for me. You're going to make I, me cry. I'm still here, I'm still I'm here still man. Here. Gonna, Let's go. I cry. need to be raised and nurtured and I need to be given yes. space. And we have this whole empty house that I can run around and put a bunch well, of stuff my cat. on the wall. You know what I mean? Like you're yes, allowing. And that's what I've been doing. Here's something really cool. And I'll tie it back to exile on O street. So I've got this friend from high school and we meet sometimes every once in a while. And there's a group of us. We all went to Lincoln high in the eighties and whatever the fuck. Right. And so we've been getting to know each other kind of again after meeting like this every, she comes, she lives in Chicago and she works like for the city somehow. It's really big, cool job. And she comes back to Lincoln and, and, and Hey guys, I'm going to get together and stuff. Oh, by the way, Eric, um, would you like a, I got the, I was going through my stuff at my mom's house and I found this picture of Mick Jagger. Would you like it? Like, yeah, sure. What the fuck ever? You know, I thought of you when I saw it, you know, cause she knows about the band. And, um, so I go to the dinner thing and she gets me, she brings me this picture. I should probably go grab it, but she brings me this picture and it's Andy at Andy Warhol, Mick Jagger picture. Wow. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And I look at it and it's a signed print. so i've got this really fucking cool mick jagger warhol signed print that this woman just gave me but my friend you know just just i thought of you right which is i think in many ways very indicative of what you guys were saying before where that is you know like that was the universe saying we see you eric Mm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You're okay. It's going to be all right. Mm. It's going to be all right, man. You know? Yeah. In fact, it's a gas. <laughs> and, oh. Oh. <laughs> 10 points for Joel. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, he, he actually 
fucking put that as a comment in our video the other day. So he's recycling mm-hmm. I a am. joke. Yeah, totally. So I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back five <laughs> of those points because you know. Yeah, it's a gas. Gas. But, I mean, I that's like a gas. real. It's true though. It's <laughs> like, right, but it's also like the. Ne- I love the the, the the third act. Like it's also like this yeah. is where this is where it's all juicy and it gets good and you have space mm. and time to really mm. fucking let your freak flag fly. Mm. That's, that's exactly the, what I'm gonna do. That's yeah. The, that's that's the whole idea. And that's the beauty. It better be something that serves. It yeah. better be some. I have to put something back into the stream. That's how the universe gets served. It's how this symbiotic relationship with the universe works in my mind. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's, I feel I owe a debt, but that's not the right language. It's I get it. like a cosmic debt. You know, it's not, I mean, it never fails that at the darkest moments and it's usually Christmas time ish for me that something happens and that has happened. And I can't tell you what it is, but, but something happened and it was yesterday and the universe goes, here, here, we see you. Mm. We see you. Yeah. We love you. We're going to make sure here. Right? Yeah. And honestly, I have ADHD, so I can't remember what it was yesterday. There's I love a couple that things so that much. Happened, oh, but, my God. You know, I can, I'm trying. I'm over here in my brain. I'm, I'm going, gonna, what was the thing? What was the thing? What was the thing? What was the thing? Eric, I want to get you a shirt that just says, like, ADHD, please hold. <laughs> right. <laughs> right right Please so exile exile loading, on o street loading 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 yeah. exile yeah. on o street joel yeah what what is what has been what has been the most um in i mean when i and i've said this on the podcast before you are the you are the perfect uh um uh, you're not trying to be mick you are you are Eric Delaney embodying the energy of Mick Jagger. You're not trying to parody him. Like you're just kind of like, I'm going to get into the, I'm going to get into the vibe of what he is. Mm -hmm. And it really works. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, What's, what's been the joy? What's been the bliss? What's been the joy of that? If you can talk about that somewhat briefly. Um, Yeah. So it's not, it's not all that tough in that way. Um, you know, and, and I guess kind of the sort of my rote answer for that type of a question is, you know, when someone says to you while you're on stage performing and they come up to the stage and they're really getting into it and they want to high five you, they want to they want to like somehow crawl into you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. being on the stage like that and having people come up like there's been times where we've been playing shows where someone would come if you didn't have a stage and you're sort of on the, there was a place that we played and, and this person came up to the mic and was like in the mic with me, you know? Um, And I mean, that's like, it's a thing where they want to be, they're so connected and so emotionally charged and not charged isn't the word, but there's like this exchange that occurs, right? Um, and, 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 and then they say stuff like, man, your energy is great. And you're goddamn. And so it's like watching Mick Jagger. I can't believe it. This is so cool. And you sound like him and you kind of act like him and your energy is so great and all that kind of stuff. And that's fucking great. And I love hearing that because that means I'm doing my job, mm. but when their faces, when they lose control mm. and they let it all drop, that's where my heart gets fed. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's what that means is that 
my creativity, who I am as a ongoing human being, right, is phasing or phasing into this person in a way that is giving them something that they can't get in any other way from any other thing in this moment in time now. And that's, I think that's like, what a beautiful gift to share. I'm not some cool thing that's doing this cool thing. We're doing this thing together and we're both experiencing this bit of beauty. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and that, that's what validates me. So, I mean, yeah, it's great to, you know, get paid. It's great to, you know, people tell you, pat you on the back or whatever, but there was one time. Well, anyways, I won't get into another story. But that's, but. I mean, that's the, that's, I mean, obviously we're in it for the money, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. but, uh, but that, well, you those, know, I need it. Those, those moments when, <laughs> and I think I like one of my favorite Bob Weirisms is he says, uh, like, if it's going really well, I'm not even conscious of my instrument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, that's yeah. the gravy, like those moments where at the risk of sounding corny transcendence actually happens when everything's clicking and the people are vibing and there's an energy loop happening and the sucker takes off. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's where the juice is at. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. You that's, lose yourself. That's, you lose that's what I'm talking about. And, ego, and, and, and well, and, it's just, and I don't have an instrument to hide behind. No, you first don't. First of all. And, and, and more importantly, I have ADHD, so this informs really? everything. So, well, but just hang on. So, for <laughs> uh, it informs this because I can't get lost. Oh, right. If oh, if, wow. if I I have to have a telemonitor on stage with the lyrics running because I can't get lost. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I and I, the core of my being wants to get lost at all times. One of right. The- one of the things that's always been a struggle for me for performing is when I used to like actually sing in groups is I would have to lean over to another person and say, what's the first line? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I, would, I literally couldn't remember a song that I've heard and sang or sang a couple, but I'm Mick Jagger. Life. I got nobody. I can do that with. Nope. I can't. Well, and if and you lean over to me, I couldn't tell you. That's the thing. Like, right. I know the song. I know the verse is coming. I just can't tell you what it is. Right. And I, I mean, I don't say that for sympathy. I say that because no, I, I have to be accountable to myself and to the sort of responsibility I feel for the entertainment of these people yeah. that are here. And also the responsibility I feel to the other people in the band, yep. you know, to make sure that I can continue to drive the, you know, it's front front of this stage this way without dropping the ball and it all goes off the rails I, right. i've experienced that as an actor it's i've like, done that <laughs> it's like you can't you can't completely lose yourself because you have a job to do you, you have, have to, to stay on task you have to stay on task you have to be emotionally present but you can't you can't lose it because your scene partner will you know you're going to put them in an unsafe place and you're also yep. not taking care of Right, taking care of the audience, but there the audience's experience needs to be one of wow, I got lost in that story and I was moved by uh-huh. all that stuff. And you're like, uh-huh. okay, good, I hit all my marks, you know. Yes. So it's like the craft. You can't it's the same thing. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't lose it. Like when you know, speaking of the Grateful Dead, and you hear interviews of, 
you know, when they were the warlocks taking a bunch of liquid LSD and then, you know, they're, that they're, was uh, the, the, the neck of the guitar would turn the into a snake too. and they couldn't really get, they will, they allowed themselves to get lost, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the idea of the <laughs> artist at those things be, they weren't they weren't the the main event though they weren't the main that event. was that was also though that was also part of it you know so like that stuff it was actually getting lost like that was part of what they were trying to do right, right. and that right. was part of what they wanted everyone to do with them that right. was and part then, of the deal because it was the experimental thing and it really was that right the acid test was not what we think it's not it was not a fucking rock and roll show. No, it was right, nothing right, right. like that. I mean, no, they were not rock you know, and roll shows. That shit went on for occasionally that kind of sounded like rock and roll happening right. over there. Occasionally yeah. happening occasionally, over there. Right. Over there. And they were the on the ground with you. You could walk right over there and plunk on their instruments while they right. were playing it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a mm. whole other thing. So, so that was yeah. It was a whole other thing. Yeah, man. We should do a podcast on. We should re- anyway. Absolutely. I think, I think I'm down. I I know you are. I, I I'm down. Um. <laughs> I'm really down. Oh, I'm down. Oh boy. Down. How can you laugh when you know I'm down? Oh. How can you laugh easily <laughs> when you know I'm down? <laughs> so uh, what's the next? What's the next exile gig? When yeah, is that uh, New Year's Eve. Eve's actually New Year's uh-huh. Eve. It broke down palace in omaha Dude, that's like an honor to get to play a new year's eve show isn't it that's like a I, know. I don't know i mean but they they loved us so much they asked if we yeah. would it's a they want a you gr- to bring in the new year that's a big deal yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I, I agree it is an honor though i was kind of being flipped there but but yeah it is totally an honor and those people up there love us and they show it yeah they're cool. great um, mm-hmm. nice nice people so broke down yeah. palace up in Omaha, New Year's Eve. 78th and Maple. Yeah, it'll be, it'll is be it, a party. Is it 78th? Oh no, wait. It's 80 something in Maple. Whatever. It's, it's might be 88th. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you're it's right. easy to find. Yeah, it is. But well, it's it's not, but it is. So it's right. It's you know, it's behind it's the on laundromat. A main drag, but yeah, it's <laughs> behind the laundromat and it's a strip. And that's how you know uh, we, we've made it. Sounds like a lovely joint. It is. Yeah, man. It's great. You gotta it's come funky. up. It's funky in all the right ways. Joel, you gotta see that. I know. You see what I'll, happens there. I'll be in the it's great state fun- of Florida that night, it's, but fuck off the live stream. Right. <laughs> oh shit! I'll well, be hating you here are, in Lincoln. We are, we are, we are, we are well past our hour mark. Oh no! Yeah, mm-hmm. I know it went really quickly. Oh. Uh, any any final words, Eric? Uh, I mean, gosh, I wouldn't know what to say. I mean, other than something along the lines of geez if you think you've got adhd and you're able to see past our glib pop culture you know version of it reach out ask for help find people you know it's you know we're out here and um there's a way to get help and the sooner the better mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right on thank man. you eric I, I really appreciate you taking the time dude it's yep I, I knew that we'd have more in the suitcase than we can really ever have with <laughs> you. Right, and it's, right. it really is. There's it's three a joy. Other suitcases. <laughs> yeah, it's a joy. It really is. And I don't mean that to be insulting. It's really, it's I really know. a joy that you have so much lived experience with this and are, I just, I'm, I'm going to take away this idea of the third act. Like what, how are we going to synthesize all this? So thank you so much for being on the podcast, dude. It's an honor to call oh, you a friend and pleasure. it's an honor to have. Oh yeah. Anyone. I love you guys. I love yeah, both love of you. you. Too, man. 
yeah. so happy to be a part of your lives. Can't even right tell on. you. Right on. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm.
Don't forget, toot your hooter.